Where speakers share tips from the road to make the platform explode, this is the Key5 Podcast with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Stephen Monaco, who's passionate about defining marketing strategies in this digital era, the technologies required for marketing today, and identifying where convergence will take place in business. He's a thought leader, recognized as an IBM futurist, and speaks about strategy, marketing, innovation, and entrepreneurship. He's also the author of the business strategy book, Insightful Knowledge, an enlightened view of social media strategy and marketing. Let's get started. So, Stephen, in one sentence, uh, what do you speak about? Well, first of all, I want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to thank you so much for having me on your show, Robert. I, I appreciate it. I'm much obliged. And in your intro, you pretty much described what I speak about. It, it primarily has to do with high-level strategy and this tremendous propensity for people to put tactics ahead of strategy, what I call the ready fire aim syndrome. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, your intro really spoke about what I speak about. Fabulous. Well, Stephen, you know, I love to ask our uh, speakers when we interviewed, you know, how did you end up becoming a speaker at all? Well, simply by being invited to speak at industry conferences. I, again, from your intro, I mean, I, I have a great deal of knowledge that I can impart to others. So members of the audience have nuggets of wisdom they can take away to put to use in their organizations. And I was just invited to speak at some large industry conferences and, you know, not a trained speaker, never had any coaching. I just have a lot of info to impart and done it in front of some pretty large groups. Well, that's fabulous. And as an expert, you have something to share. That's how a lot of people end up being a speaker. What what would you say you know now, as you know, in all the speaking that you've done, that you wish you knew when you get started? Sort of the mistakes maybe you've made along the way that if you could go back in time, you could fix. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a mistake per se, as much as it is just a condition, and that is just dealing with anxiety. You know, I, I I'm better able to deal with anxiety before speaking in front of a group than I am the first few times that I did it, just by doing some deep breathing exercises and, and trying to just trying to relax and, and, you know, just be as conversational as I, I can be and not be so freaked out about all of those people looking up at me. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you sharing that, Stephen, because some of the people we interview, they, they say they're born to be a speaker. They, they found the stage and that most people, I think, experience anxiety. So it sounds like you've discovered some pretty neat techniques. Um, breathing is one of them. And you find that that really does help you. Are there anything else that, that you've discovered to help overcome that anxiety? Uh, deep breathing helps. I mean, nothing completely takes away the anxiety, um, at least for me. Um, yes, there's one technique that's actually kind of silly, and it's 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 kind of fun. I have a buddy who's a, a PhD who's a, who's a professional speaker in that he is on the road in at least 15 different cities speaking every month. And he does this thing and taught me about this thing where you you run around with your arms way above your head and, and wave your hands around. 
And um, I love it. Yeah, he said <laughs> I love that, it. That what it does is it like triggers some stuff from back when you're like a toddler and you didn't have any inhibitions. It triggers a part of your mind to take you back to a time when you just were pretty carefree and that by running around, like if you can picture a, you know, an 18 month old or two year old mm-hmm. running around with their hands above their head, kind of like the way he demonstrated it was like a orangutan <laughs> literally. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, of course you can't do or like you could do it right <laughs> before you went on stage. You'd look like a fool, but um you know, it's like, it's one of the last things I'll do in the hotel room before going down to the conference proper just like you know one more thing besides deep breathing to try to try to chill and you know some people are really are born for the stage you know i have a couple friends who truly are and they're very extroverted i'm not i'm an introvert and i just have knowledge you know i'm you know public speaking is it's a challenge for me frankly well, you have a message that people need to hear, as Alan Hoffler likes to reference, and yet you have found a fabulous way, and I really appreciate you sharing that, I think will be great value to our listeners, uh, of how to overcome and prepare uh, the anxiety issues to get on stage. <laughs> what, what um, Stephen, do you do, thinking about now the uh, speech that's coming up to prepare, <laughs> what is it that your, your process or some things you're doing as you put together a presentation? Well, I always get as much detailed information as possible from the event p- planner or the person who hired me. So I have a really good understanding of the audience and can provide valuable information that's, that's pertinent to them. And then I write the speech and rehearse it many times, especially to ensure that I finish just a few seconds before the countdown clock on the back wall hits zero. And then, as I mentioned a moment ago, I rehearse in the hotel room, excuse me, I rehearse in the hotel room until right before it's time to go down to the actual event. And rehearsal, of course, is key. Um, If you took your time that you spent in a presentation, and I don't know if you can do this or not, but, you know, is it 50% is developing the presentation, 50% practice, or how would you break that up? Mm, I don't know in an actual percentage. Um, I would say there's considerably more going into present or uh, creating the presentation mm-hmm. than it is the rehearsal. Um, I just, you know, I'll edit it and keep tweaking it until I, I hone it and get it to the point where I feel like I'm able to deliver the most, the most germane information, the most relevant stuff, the most, uh, provide the most value. And then I'll rehearse as much as time then allows. Okay. Well, and I, I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. You, you, because you're an expert, and I suspect there's a lot of people in your audience, if you give them an opportunity for question and answers, how do you handle Q&A? Well, you know, Q&A can be a real challenge for some, and we've all seen a speaker take a question from an audience member who then sort of takes over the presentation while talking about their own perspective and their situation, Mm -hmm. et cetera, and it's disruptive. And the speaker often doesn't know how to regain control, which is frustrating to the audience. Mm -hmm. So I don't do do Q&A from the stage, but what I do do is warmly inform the audience that I'll hang around and make myself available for the next few hours or the rest of the day or the duration of that, that day's conference, depending on my, my travel schedule. And typically there'll be a long line of people who want to talk to me and ask specific questions after I leave the stage during the next scheduled break. 
And it's really important to me for people to understand that I'm approachable and accessible and I'm happy to provide them with as much value as possible. Plus those one-on-one conversations, they can often lead to consulting engagements or just, you know, making a new friend. Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that and the not only being accessible, but I think those one-on-one or even a group conversation afterwards gives you more um, content or things to deliberate and think about for future presentations too, I bet. I didn't think about that really as far as future presentations, but it's just much more relaxing to me. I mean, if people have questions, I'm happy to I'm happy to spend as much time with them as as possible and do feel a bit relieved to not on stage anymore. <laughs> so, Stephen, I don't know if, I mean, you're an expert and you may speak in different venues. Do you ever recommend to speakers that they should speak for free? And if so, when and why? Um, I suppose it's up to them. I mean, you can certainly speak for exposure. And I know some people who are professional speakers and that's all they do. And they speak for free on occasion. And they say that the reason they do is because it's only them and the person who booked them who knows whether or not they got paid. And they want to, they want to stay, you know, they want to stay visible. Mm-hmm. And I do on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to, depending on the organization and my schedule, because it's not all about the money to me. I mean, I have insightful knowledge that people benefit from, and I feel called to share that wisdom. So, for instance, the global headquarters for the Kauffman Foundation Center for Entrepreneurship is located here in Kansas City, Missouri. So I try to accommodate them when they ask me to speak. I enjoy helping the the budding entrepreneurs. And since they're right here in the city in which I reside, you know, if they ask me to speak, it's not a big deal. It's a 20-minute drive, and I'll spend an hour or two down there. And again, just kind of with a servant's heart and trying to, to help um uh, help entrepreneurs of all ages. That makes sense. And I like the way you frame that. That's really good. Well, Stephen, as we start to wrap up, um, thinking of from your own experience or other speakers that you've heard at conferences, if you were to make run recommendations that speakers could improve their ability in speaking, um, any tip or uh, recommendation that you would make? Mm, other than the obvious, I don't know. I mean, other than the obvious, like prepare prepare in that you get to know your audience as much as possible and deliver the message so that it's germane to them. Rehearse, of course, try to keep from saying, um, (laughs) which is, which is hard. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, that's, to me, it's probably pretty basic stuff. So I don't have any like rocket science technique or tip. Well, I really love the fact that you don't do Q&A and that you suggest the one-on-ones afterwards because it does make it personal. And I love the tips you've shared today about uh, dealing with anxiety and <laughs> especially the hands over the heads. I, I can just visualize the two-year-old running around. I'm going to have that in my head now. Uh, Stephen, this has been great. Thank you very much. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about how to deal with nerves. I suppose it's possible that some speakers never get nervous. But I have to wonder when people tell me they don't ever experience anxiety in speaking, because I certainly still do, especially when the stakes are high. Expecting that it's an issue then, how can we manage our nerves? I can think of three practical ways. First, be prepared. Know what you'll say, 
how you'll say it, and have it practiced to as perfect as you can get it. Being great is the best way to combat nervousness. Second, lay off the caffeine. The last thing your nerves need is a stimulant. And third, get your body involved. The most energy you can exert is to move the entire body. Before you get on stage, stretch and move. When you finally get on stage, use the entire space. Just don't pace. Find a spot. Move to it. Steady yourself. And then move to another spot. That exertion will help to disperse your nervous energy. Oh, and one more tip. Your nervousness, your adrenaline, it's telling you that this speaking engagement is important. And it is. You have something of value to share, and the audience needs to hear it. Step onto that stage and deliver it well, even if your knees are knocking and your palms are sweaty. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. You may not know it, but I also struggle with anxiety with each of these podcasts, as I want to be sure we're delivering value to you. So, moving right along, on our next K5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Robert Kennedy III, someone who's passionate about helping teams and individuals grab hold of their inner leader. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.